Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Bayer has lost a second trial over claims that its Roundup weed killer causes cancer, and it was a big loss. The jury awarded $80.3 million to Edwin Hardiman, who sprayed the herbicide on his property for decades and said it caused his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. $75 million of that award was punitive damages. Bayer plans to appeal the verdict and vowed to keep defending Roundup, which it says is safe as it faces more than 11,000 lawsuits. Joining me is Robert a professor at Cornell Law School. Bob, what did the jury find here? Oh, hi, Jane. Uh, so, yeah, it found a couple things. Uh, so the first, there's several questions that kind of combine uh, in a case like this, right? So the first has to do with whether, indeed, there is uh, a significant cancer risk associated with a particular product, right? Another thing, then, is um, was there some kind of culpability on the part of the firm in sort of failing to notify people of this danger or failing to look into whether there was a danger, or failing to rectify it in some way. And then finally, a third question is, what is the precise relation between this sort of cancer-causing agent within the Roundup weed killer, in this case, on the one hand, and the particular plaintiff before the court on the other hand, right? So what the court found um, uh, at the first phase of the trial was that there is, there does indeed appear to be uh, this significant cancer risk that comes with uh, Roundup. And what remained then to be decided um, was, well, to what degree is the company culpable, right, for not having, um, you know, not having done more to prevent the danger from occurring or for not having done more to sort of warn the public about it. Now, that wouldn't be Bayer itself. Of course, that would have been Monsanto. But Bayer, as the acquirer of Monsanto last June, um, basically succeeds Monsanto to its own, its liabilities. Bob, Bayer says this verdict isn't a harbinger of others because each trial has different facts and legal circumstances, but both juries found that Roundup caused cancer and both found Mm -hmm. punitive damages based on Monsanto's past conduct. Mm -hmm. So do you agree with Bayer? Um, I think it's, it's, I can see why it wants to say what it's saying right now in order effectively, I think, to sort of calm fears on the part of its investors who might be worried that there are more liabilities ahead, more losses ahead, and so it's trying to make people a little bit less worried, I think, about future liabilities and losses. Um, That being said, um, I really very much hope that Bayer doesn't actually believe entirely what it's been saying, because if it does, then that suggests that it's going to adopt a strategy that I think is actually quite risky for the company. Uh, And the reason for that, in turn, is that, well, you know, there does seem to be a pretty strong case uh, to be made or to the effect that um, the 
chemical agent is indeed problematic. There also seems to be a pretty strong case to the effect that Monsanto tried to hide this fact. And what that means is that the only question remaining for Bayer is the kind of plaintiff by plaintiff question as to whether, you know, this plaintiff was affected uh, or whether there's a causal relation between this plaintiff's cancer and that agent or that plaintiff's cancer and the agent and so on. And there you have a total crapshoot. It really depends on who the plaintiffs are. But most plaintiffs aren't going to bring cases like this. It doesn't seem to be unless they can show, you know, significant exposure to that chemical agent. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And these are just the first two cases out of about mm. 11,200. According to mm. Bloomberg Intelligence, the settlement value of all Roundup cases could exceed $5 billion. When mm. does buyer begin to feel real pressure to settle these cases? I think, uh, I think it really – it ought to be feeling that pressure now, right? It ought to be reading those previous decisions, I think, very carefully. The one thing that it seems to be hanging its hat on – and maybe there are two things it's hanging its hat on. So there's another trial coming up at, up in San Francisco, and Bayer appears to believe that the judge who will be hearing or presiding over that trial – is himself a bit more skeptical about the claims of causation between the chemical agent's presence on the one hand and people's developing cancer on the other. So Bayer seems to be very much betting on a favorable ruling from that judge who's a little bit more skeptical about the causal link. If that judge were not to sort of demonstrate that skepticism and if Bayer were to lose there, I would think that would be the final nail in the coffin for them. And they would probably think, you know, decide that it's prudent to go ahead and settle uh, across the board. If they win, I think it's probably still a bad idea not to settle, but at least they might think of themselves as being in the game a bit longer. 
Now, about 94% of this verdict was punitive damages, meaning to punish the company for conduct. What message was that jury sending to Bayer? It was sort of telling Bayer that, you know, you probably, you, you might have done better in June to have paid a little bit more attention to the prospective liability of Mon- or liabilities of Monsanto before you bought it. My understanding is that right before the acquisition, most of the attention that was paid was paid to the regulatory concerns about whether right, the, the, the purchase would be permitted. Uh, and in consequence, I think Bayer might have overlooked or maybe paid insufficient attention to the potential liability risk that would be coming along with Monsanto. Because when you acquire a company like Monsanto, you do, of course, acquire the bad along with the good. And they don't appear to have researched the bad quite as thoroughly as they might have done, maybe again because they were preoccupied with whether it would be regulatorily allowed for them to purchase it at all. Hardiman's trial was split into two parts. It was a format that Bayer thought would give it the best chance. This verdict was less than the previous verdict, which was $289 million and then knocked down by a judge to 78.6. Is that random or is that the result of the two-phase trial? Did it work for Bayer? I'm inclined to think that it was random because what Bayer was hoping for is they were hoping that if we could kind of split up the, 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 the well, back up for one second, a trial like this basically implicates all three of the questions that I mentioned from the top, right? Is the agent itself a cancer-causing agent? Is there a causal relation between the plaintiff's use of the, the chemical on the one hand and getting the cancer on the other? And then again, was there something problematic about the way Monsanto dealt with the problem? Um, it, I think generally when all three of those things are lumped together, the perception is that, well, there's a, a tendency for people to think, well, it all looks pretty bad, so let's just go ahead and cut uh, some slack to the plaintiff. Bear was hoping, I think, that by splitting these things up, there might be some real question about one of those questions, like, for example, the causal relation between the plaintiff's injuries uh, and the presence of the agent in the the roundup. Um, That didn't work, right? That particular, that hope was not fulfilled. And given that, given that the very reason that they had for trying to get the split up turned out not to be a very good reason at all. I think it would be unwise for Bayer to think that, well, the fact that the verdict was a little bit lower this time is itself the product of the you know, sort of uh, divvying up of the, of the case into distinct cases or distinct uh, trials. So Bayer is going to appeal this verdict and appeal the verdict in August. What are its chances on appeal besides getting the verdict knocked down a little bit? I'm myself skeptical that there's much chance of, of, of getting those verdicts overturned or getting those those things changed. Um, and again, I think it's because of the nature of the particular questions that were before the court and the nature of the findings with respect to those questions. There was nothing especially controversial or sort of you know out of the ordinary or you know outlierish about those specific decisions. And it seems to me that Bayer then ought to read those decisions as indicating that it's really got an uphill climb if it's going to try to decouple in people's minds the relation between you know, the presence of the um, uh, alleged carcinogen and Roundup on the one hand and people's actually acquiring uh, cancer or contracting cancer on the other hand. All right. Thanks, Bob. Maybe the Bayer wants to consider uh, Elizabeth Warren's proposal to break up <laughs> The uh, Fire Monsanto. (laughs) Might not be a bad idea. Uh, All right. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. That's Robert Hockett. He's a professor at Cornell Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.